Father, you are invited into this place. You're welcome here. We need you, God. We can't do it without you. And so we ask God as we come before you now to infill this room with your presence. Teach us, mold us, change us and make us into who you've designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. The new year is upon us. Two days. My dad told me a long time ago, the older I got, the faster they'd go. Is he right? I think so. (laughs) And he told me when I was about 18 and still thought my dad was children. Stupid. So, need to watch that word sometimes, but it's a real word. It's in the dictionary, so it's okay, you know. When I think about this time of year, the word change comes to mind. Many people will spend the next couple of days thinking about what their resolutions are going to be, things that they want to change in 2019 from 2018. Unfortunately, most of those resolutions end up unsuccessful. They last a very short time. Suppose that you could change anything about yourself. Um, Where would you start? Well, I'd venture to guess that most of the time when we think about change, we think about things on the outside. Um, We would think, I want to be taller. Some folks might want to be shorter. Uh, You can look up to everybody when you're shorter. I mean, everybody's really important because you look up to all of them. I can verify that. Um, But some folks want to be skinnier. Believe it or not, there might be some folks like to gain a little bit of weight. Not many in America, but three or four at least. You might want to change your eye color or get your teeth fixed or change your hair color or have hair. Uh, I don't know what your change might like to be, but you might like to do some of those things. You know, we all go through times in life where we desperately want to change something about ourselves. And in general, when we think about change, we do think about the outside appearance. In today's world, teenagers live in a state of constant fear that they won't fit in. And so they, they tinker with this and they try this experiment and they look at this fad or this fashion or this t-shirt or this hat or whatever the latest pop stars are doing and wearing in order to try to, to fit in with society. But when we get older, we get smarter, don't we? We don't do those things anymore, do we? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it actually probably gets a little bit worse because we spend hours trying to find just the right dress or just the right shirt or the right pair of pants or whatever, the right hairstyle, so that we fit in with the times uh, and trying to fit in and impress whatever crowd we're in in that moment. We we diet obsessively and work out and there's really nothing wrong with those things because they're good for us. But um, we lose that battle because we finally get where we want to be and then we just kind of let go and we go right back to where we started from. Things start creeping back. Finally in life it seems like we just get to the stage where it's easier to cover it up than to lose it. So we just buy bigger clothes and cover it up and move on. You know, <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, eventually landing at the point of just quitting altogether whatever we started to do. But as hard as it is to change things that are on our outside, it is far more difficult to change the things that are on our inside. If there's anything we know about people, change 
is slow if it ever happens at all because we don't like change. Think about the struggles in your life as you look forward to 2019. What you're going to face, what's going to happen. Uh, what happened in 2018 that you don't want to repeat in 2019. What would you change about yourself on the inside if you could? Maybe you have an impatient spirit. Maybe you have a critical tongue. Maybe you envy people around you. Maybe you have a spirit of discontentment or contentment or a lingering resentment. Maybe there's a lust that you just can't seem to conquer or you have a guilty conscience over something. Maybe you're overbearingly stubborn. Um, maybe you just have a judgmental or ungrateful spirit or even a quick temper. The list goes on and on of the different things on the inside that we all have that need to be changed. We all want to change something, but too many times we don't know how. We don't even know where to start. We all dream of being something different and better than the person we are today. You know what? Advertisers in today's world know this because when you look at the newspaper and the television and the magazines and the anti-social media and all those different things, they are crammed full of ads with things for you to purchase or get to, to make you be better. They're crammed with things promising you to lose weight now or make money overnight or learn a new language and pretty much anything else you can think of, you know. And they capture our attention so we have things to push ourselves to make ourselves better. One of my favorites is the one that says that you'll watch the pounds melt away. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> you know, you've seen the cartoon where things melt or like, you, here's, the, here's the picture. This will help you. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, the Germans find the ark and they open it and the spirit goes around and they melt. Picture that, melt the pounds away. That's a good illustration of what sounds interesting. It was kind of gross in the movie, but it sounds interesting to watch pounds melt away. Take this pill or eat this supplement or drink this super duper energy drink and presto, the pounds will just fall off. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd like to see that happen. That might work for a day or two, but that resolution goes because we're tired of taking the pill. The truth is that change really is hard. If you go into a bookstore, it'll be filled walls of self-help books because self-help is big business, has been for many years. But when we get up in the morning, we look in the mirror, see the same old person looking back at us. That's why we move or change jobs. We get a facelift, buy a new car, get a new hairstyle, new career, new spouse, new boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, go to a new church, join the chess club, uh, start working out, buy a new outfit, on and on and on and on it goes to try to make those change. And it's not as if some of those things are not good things. There's not necessarily anything wrong with some of them because sometimes we need outward change. But it's not the outward stuff that trips us up. It's the stuff that's on the inside that we struggle with the most. There was two construction workers one day. They stopped for lunch and sat down and opened their lunch boxes. And one guy said, the other, bologna sandwich again? My goodness, I can't believe this. This is three days this week. I hate bologna. I don't want bologna anymore. Bologna, bologna, bologna. And the other guy said, well, why don't you just tell your wife to fix you something else? He said, I don't have a wife. I did this for myself. <laughs> the fact is... Most of the baloney in your life and my life is baloney that we put there on our own. 
If we ever want to be any different from the same old baloney we keep serving ourselves, then we have to break out of the routine. Here's the point. Few of us make lasting change without some dramatic event in our life, some personal pain or some pressure that causes us to do that. But long-held habits can be changed. Won't happen overnight. Patterns of sin can be broken. But it'll take more than a quick prayer in the moment. You and I can see significant growth in our spiritual life, but it doesn't come without a cost. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. If you'll open your Bibles quickly, we're going to have this one verse as our key verse today. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This verse says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This verse tells us that we can do something about those things that we want to change or need to change. It tells us that we will be transformed when our minds are renewed. And the mind is not here. The mind is in here. How does this happen? Two things. First of all, we have to understand that change happens on the inside first. You see, we tend to think that if we change the outside, the inside's going to change. That's why we work so long and hard on all those outward things. But the Bible says that this is backwards thinking. We must focus on the inside stuff if we want to see any lasting change on the outside. You've heard the old statement, garbage in, garbage out. What we put in, what's on the inside comes back out. So the inside has to be the focus. The Greek word used here for the word transformed is related to the English word for metamorphosis. Now, if you think back, some longer than others, to seventh grade. In seventh grade science class, you learned about something called metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is the process we see in a lot of things, but then two things in particular I'll bring up. Caterpillars and tadpoles. Okay? Think about the caterpillar. A caterpillar climbs up on a stick, weaves a little thing, hangs down, cocoon forms around the caterpillar, and he stays dormant for somewhere around four weeks, only to bust out of his cocoon as a beautiful butterfly. The caterpillar doesn't change his basic nature. The metamorphosis process reveals what he was always created to be, what was in his genes from the beginning, because caterpillars can't fly. Well, they can if you pick one up, chunk it, they can fly that way. And, um, you know, you think about Bug's life, a little caterpillar with a little bitty wings, and he's flapping hard as he can go. That one's kind of funny to me, because caterpillars don't have wings uh, until they metamorphosize. But caterpillars were created to fly. It's metamorphosis. When the process is complete, the caterpillar actually becomes what God created it to be. How about the tadpole? Starts as a little bitty egg in the water. It's like a whole little cluster of eggs. Over a period of a few weeks to, as I researched, in some cases, a few months, legs form. I'm sorry, tail forms first. So they can wiggle around in the water. Okay? And then over a few more days and weeks, the legs form. And voila, metamorphosis, you get a frog one day. What it was in the beginning is not what it was created to be. It requires the process of metamorphosis to become what God created it to be. 
Now, in both cases, it's a gradual change on the inside, a gradual change on the inside that produces the total transformation on the outside. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, the, jo- the apostle John said, Now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. He was talking about our future in heaven, plain and simple, but it's a truth to this life also because God is in the transformation business and you can't tell where you will end up or what plans God has for you until the transformation is complete. We're constantly in a state of transformation. In in 1464, there was a sculpture. His name was Augustino di Duccio. I guess he was Italian. I don't know. He began working on this humongous piece of marble, flawed marble, no less. And he was intending to produce a sculpture of an Old Testament prophet for a cathedral in Florence, Italy. Well, he labored for two years on this, and then he stopped. Six years after that, 1476, Antonio Rossellino started to work on the same piece of marble, But guess what? In time, he abandoned the work. In 1501, same piece of marble, with a 26-year-old sculptor named Michelangelo. He was offered a lot of money to take this piece of rock that these other two dudes couldn't seem to figure out what to do with it and produce something worthwhile. Now, this block was actually called the giant at the time because it was such a tremendously large piece of marble. And as Michelangelo began to work, he saw a flaw in the bottom of the marble. And this was actually the place that was really kind of knocking the other two guys off and they couldn't figure out what to do. But he saw this flaw and he decided to turn that flaw into um, a piece of wood, like a tree stump that would support the right leg of what he saw in the rest of it. After finishing that portion of the work, he spent the next four years on the work. And guess what came out of it? The big sculpture that we know as David. So today, that 17-foot-tall piece of marble, the giant, stands on display in the Academia Gallery in Florence. And it's, it's more than a masterpiece. It's one of the greatest works of art that's ever produced. People come from all over the world just to see this sculpture. It's well known as one of the most perfect sculptures in the world. So how did Michelangelo pull out of this marble what these other two guys couldn't do? Well, here's what he said. He says, in every block of marble I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes like mine that see it. In Alabama terms, he says, I cut away everything that didn't look like David. Real simple. Now, here's how it works. Now, I don't have a chisel. I tried to find a chisel. So I'm using a putty knife because it's basically the same shape. And here's what he does. Over and over and over and over of all the different parts that he doesn't see. Think about this. Over a 50-year period. Knocking, 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 tinging, tinging, tinging. 
to get this perfect sculpture to come about. Now think about this in your spiritual life. You and I as followers of Christ are works in progress. As long as we are breathing on this earth, we are works in progress. We're not finished. We're definitely not glorified, nor are we perfected, and we're surely not complete. We are under construction. If you've ever visited a construction zone, you know that there's hammering and sawing and lots of noise and a lot of mess, and it's, it's discombobulated. You know, In fact, it's sometimes kind of hard to figure out what the final project is going to look like because of all the mess that's in there. It's really kind of funny. It happens here when we build Bible school or when we build Christmas sets or this, that, and the other. The three or four days leading into those things, you wouldn't know this room. There's stuff laying every which way, and you can't tell anything about what anything is going to look like because of all the cords and lumber and nails and hammers, and it's just everywhere. It's craziness. In our spiritual life, is sometimes noisy and messy. But God, unlike those two sculptors, never stops working. He never stops chiseling away. He's always busy knowing that there's always more more work that needs to be done on us. When we think about it, we demonstrate in our actions and words that God has done all he needs to do. What in the world would ever make us think God would finish with the job? In my mind's eye, I see God as a sculptor. He's working with a a real rough piece of marble. He's working on this big old chunk of marble named Don. And it's a hard job because that chunk is badly marred. It's misshapen. It's discolored. It's cracked in some really weird places. And he's got a hard job probably about the worst piece of marble he could ever pick out to work on just to be real honest but he's chipping away he sees the bad parts he chisels he gets this image into hard stone he stops occasionally to polish and smooth out places and from you know he gets it just like he wants it from time to time he actually finishes a section of the statue and the next day when he comes back to work on it some more he looks down and says well I thought I finished that thing what? who messed up my statue who messed up my work turns out I did I'm my own worst enemy you see sometimes I think I can do things better than God can do them when it comes to my spiritual life so I try to improve what God's already worked on but all I did was mess up the work I messed up what he either had the way he wanted it or almost there and I messed it up so guess what got to be done away good thing about God God's faithful he's going to keep right on working he just reaches down picks up that hammer and that chisel goes back to work beep 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 even on that spot that yesterday was done that's got messed up he just starts over on it he's chipping away in me and in you everything that doesn't look like Christ all of it in my case (laughs) he's got a long way to go but I'm encouraged by knowing that he won't quit halfway through the project. He won't spend a few years working on it and just drop it and hope it gets done one day like they did with the David statue. He is, he is faithful. He is consistent. He is all the time working because what God starts, he's going to finish. In spite of you and in spite of me, he's going to finish it. The difference in God's work and my work is that God's work is always on the inside where you and I focus so much on the outside, God's always working on the inside. 
Now, the results of his work on the inside are reflected on our outsides. Just like that caterpillar turning into a butterfly, the work happened inside the cocoon. If the work inside does not happen, the butterfly doesn't come out. And if you and I are not allowing God to work on our insides, we are never going to see spiritual transformation that he wants to take place in your life and my life. Secondly, we have to understand that our minds must be renewed or reprogrammed for true change to take place. You noticed in our verse in Romans that God didn't say that our lungs needed to be changed. Our bone structure wasn't messed up. We didn't need any more blood vessels to be, and didn't need any blood vessels to be rerouted. We didn't need any more organs. He said that transformation comes when our minds are renewed. Now, in spite of what we all might think, we sometimes think some people just need a new brain. That's not what God's talking about here. Our brain is perfectly fine. It's created by God. We don't need a new brain. We just need our brain to work a little bit differently. We need to focus on something differently. I've long felt like that a lot of our spiritual walk starts right here. Because this controls everything about us. It's that gray matter between our ears that we don't seem to use too much sometimes. That's where it starts. And so that's why it's so important that we get transformed by renewing our mind. Sometimes I get flustered when we talk about spiritual things. Uh, because sometimes I think we focus quite a bit and maybe even too often too much on emotional terms when it comes to spiritual growth. If we, we can't think if, if we can just feel the presence of God, uh, if, if, if we'll just know we're moving in the right direction. If we, if we, if our heart rate gets up and our, our skin starts to tingle, then everything's just, we're just going right where we want to go. And please don't hear me wrong. There's nothing wrong with emotion. I believe God created emotion and it has a great place in our spiritual lives. But renewal of the mind is not about emotion. If it was, Paul would have said that we should be transformed by raising our hands and shouting hallelujah all the time. That'll take care of all of it, you know. But he didn't say that. He said that our minds must be renewed in order for us to be transformed. So how do we get renewed to the mind that Paul is speaking of? Can't be emotions based because emotions are like a roller coaster. One day you're up in the clouds and the next moment you're down in the, in the pit of the Dead Sea, just as low as you can go. Um, and it may even sound like it's difficult, but I, in fact, I think it's actually kind of easy because desire has to be combined with discipline. If we have a desire for transformation and we have the discipline needed to allow the process to take place, transformation occurs. Here's a little bit of, here's an equation for you. Just to help you kind of put a cross the I's and dot the T's on this one. Okay? Eight, I'm sorry, T plus HH plus GE equals SG. T, time, plus HH, holy habits, plus GE, godly encouragement, equals SG. Spiritual growth. The transformation of the mind takes time, determination to develop good habits, and encouragement in order for spiritual growth to occur and for transformation to take place. So what do we mean when we say time? Think about your day. Every day has how many hours? Some of you knew that. How many minutes? Huh? 
1440. Oh, that's awesome. Somebody got their calculator. How many seconds? Uh-huh. 86,400 seconds in a 24-hour period. And every one of those, every second, is precious to God. Every one of those has purpose in the plan of God for your life and my life. I believe that with all my heart. But time is one of those things that we feel we never have enough of. Well, can you have a deal? I don't have time. Can you? I don't have time. Can you do? I don't have time. You know, I really believe that if we needed more time, God would have made the days longer than 24 hours. I think it's about time management, but that's a story for a whole other day. <laughs> if we indeed never have enough time, why do we give it away so easily? Someone once said, time is free but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you'll never get it back. When it comes to the process of renewing your mind, time is a twofold thing. Number one, the first aspect of time is that of time spent with God. Um, We might call that a a personal quiet time. The value of that personal time with God as part of the transformation process cannot be understated. In fact, many Christians will tell you that their daily quiet time is the most important factor in their spiritual development. It's not going to church on Sundays and being in Bible study. That's not it. It's personal one-on-one time with God, that person and God. All the other things are good things, but they add to that. Too many people come to church on Sunday looking for Sunday to be the fill-up. Sunday ought to be the overflow. If you and I have spent our time with God, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, today would be different. We wouldn't come looking to get our toes stepped on or feeling bad about ourselves. And I'm not trying to preach uh, a prosperity gospel. I'm not at all. But this is a day of celebration. This is the Lord's day. Now, does God challenge you and I in this? Absolutely. For sure. But today's a different day if we come overflowing rather than needing to be filled up. It's a totally different day. And so I think that's where God wants us to be. Um, in fact, many, like I said, many Christians will testify it's the most important part of their life. And why is it important? Well, in Second Chronicles twelve fourteen, King Rehoboam did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. If we're not setting our heart to seek the Lord, what's going to happen? Well, King Rehoboam tells us straight up. When our hearts aren't set in seeking the Lord, evil comes. And without, we, we just cannot have transformation without renewing of our minds, which we cannot get outside of spending time with God. If we don't spend all time with God, we are very much, I told Pastor Devin I was going to share him just because I wanted to make him feel good. <laughs> but if we don't spend time with God, the old hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's what happens. We are a lot more apt to move away from God when we're not intentionally spending time with God. Other things get in the way. I understand this. I'm an extremely task-oriented person. You go in my office any day of the week and I got a notepad next to my phone with all my things that I got to do that week. And it's a check it off the list. I'm just wired that way. I can't function that way. That's why I tell you, you come up and ask me something, send me an email, please, because I'll never remember it between now and tomorrow. <laughs> you know, Shoot me something and I'll be fine with it there. But, but we must make our time with God intentional 
regular, consistent, preferably every day. The second part about this time is the aspect of distance. And what I mean is that it takes time for renewal to take place. There's an old saying that old habits are hard to break. And that's very, very true. Those habits also don't tend to disappear forever after our first attempt to get rid of them. They kind of hang around, you know. Um, Our problem with this aspect of time is that we live in a society in a time where we like instant gratification. We like to take a small step and have everything else just come to us on a silver platter. And God really has never worked that way for for the most part. Um, We think that even with God, if we just take that step, he'll do the rest. So we have to be faithful to consistently take the necessary steps and then also be patient to allow God to work his plan in his way, in his time, in his way of doing it. It's not on our timetable. You know, it's on his timetable. What are holy habits? Remember, we had T plus HH, holy habits. For many years, people have said that it takes doing something 21 days straight to make a habit. In 2009, however, a research project was conducted by the University College London on this subject. And they came to the conclusion that it does not take 21 days to form a habit. In fact, it takes 66 days to form a habit. That can be a really discouraging number if you think about it. No wonder resolutions never seem to become fulfilled. We struggle doing them 21 days in a row, much less giving up two and a half months of our life to something. Who has the patience to wait that long for a change? We want change to happen now. I'll tell you who has the patience. The person that wants to be transformed. The one that really wants to be transformed. They got the patience. They'll do it. We have to understand that habits don't form without effort. And if we want it bad enough, we'll do what's necessary. Because I really do believe that it's true. We're going to do what we want to do. What we really want to do, we're going to do it. We're wired that way. So what do you want to do? Do you want to develop holy habits like prayer and Bible study and worship and generosity and fellowship, service, sharing, just to name a few? We must be determined to have these things in our life because these holy habits are necessary in the process of transformation. So if we give the time, we develop the holy habits, then we need the encouragement. This actually comes from us in three directions. First of all, encouragement from God. Because the truth is, when we do the things that God wants us to do, He will encourage us to keep going because He wants to accomplish His plan in your life and in my life. He will not leave us hanging when we're taking those steps. He does not operate that way. Second, we receive encouragement from the Scriptures. Romans 15.4, amongst others, says that for, what, 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 for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. This is not just a book of history or stories or rules. It is a book that is designed to give us encouragement in the transformation process that God is doing in our life. And it is necessary Third, we receive encouragement from godly people around us. We walk this world together. We're supposed to. We need each other. Too many times we try to do it on our own, and it's just not possible. We need each other. And so the encouragement we get from other, each other is vital to this process. 
But we have to remember to choose our friends wisely because the right friends are going to help you grow in the Lord. The wrong friends are going to keep you from growing in the Lord. The right friends are going to lovingly tell you the truth. The wrong friends are going to tell you what you tell you what you deserve or what you want to hear. The right friends are going to stay beside you in every situation. The wrong friends are going to do like the prodigal son. They're going to stay just as long as it's beneficial to them and then they're gone. And so choosing the right friends for encouragement is important. So we have time, we have holy habits, we have encouragement. And if we have those, it leads to spiritual growth or transformation. What kind of transformation? We'll be transformed to reflect the Lord Jesus. We'll be transformed to impact the world rather than the world impacting us. We'll be transformed into in our perspective, which is to see the world as Christ sees the world. And most importantly, we will be transformed into what God created us to be. Just like the caterpillar, like the caterpillar. John Piper said, this is how the mind is renewed by steadfastly gazing at the glories of Christ for what they really are. You and I must pursue the Lord so that we may know him better and better. Then and only then will we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 2 is about spiritual metamorphosis. It will not happen by accident. It will not happen overnight. It will not happen without the intervention of the Holy Spirit. But it will happen when we make a personal commitment of time and holy habits. And it will happen with encouragement from God, His Word, and other Christians. The process likely will not be easy. And it probably won't always be fun. It can be nerve-wracking to face your shortcomings and dedicate yourself to changing. But that's transformation. It requires work. Ruth and Billy Graham are buried at his library in Charlotte, North Carolina, right next to each other. And engraved on her tombstone are these words. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. So where are you in the process today? Where are you in being transformed? Are you a big giant rock that's the same as it was yesterday or last month or last year? Because there's been no attempt, willingness or otherwise to be transformed? Or are you currently allowing God to chip away at those parts that don't match the character and person of Christ. Remember, transformation can happen in your life and in my life. So as we enter 2019, my prayer is that we will all allow God to do His complete work in our lives and to transform us into who we were created to be. Listen. You hear it? That's the beginning of change. That's transformation. Rest assured, if you're willing to be transformed, when God is finally finished, and he will finish, you'll be just like Christ. Let's pray. God, transformation is what you desire in us. We confess to you today that we're not always willing to be transformed. Sometimes we think we know better than you know. And so we get in the way. 
Lord, as we ponder our own spiritual lives today, help us to see the things that need to change. Help us to understand that if we'll turn our focus to the things of you, the things that are on the inside, that those things as they're changed on the inside will creep forward. Our minds will be transformed. They'll be renewed and we will become more like you in everything we say, we do, and we think. Or actually, in everything we think and we do and we say. Father, we need transformation. We need you. Help us as we strive for that this day. In Jesus' name, amen.